Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Mouse and welcome back to my channel. In today's video, I'm going to be working with my good friend Griffin Onland to bring you this case. Hey guys, my name's Griffin and welcome to Josh's channel. If you're here for my channel, make sure to subscribe and check out all the rest of his videos. He does amazing work, but I just wanted to say hi, introduce myself, and without further ado, let's get into the video. Today's case, as you can probably tell, is actually going to be a little bit different from my usual videos as myself and Griffin have been honoured with the opportunity to work alongside the victim's sister to raise awareness and to aid in finding justice for DJ Ficky. We're working with Amanda, the victim's sister, to tell the true story. I'd just like to quickly say that any negative comments made towards Amanda will be removed. She is braving thousands of people online to tell the tragic and heartbreaking story of her brother. And I only ask that everyone remains respectful when commenting down below. Now this case is actually going to be split up into two parts. This video is part one and the part two will be over on Griffin's channel and we've done that because this case is so huge. We've had unrestricted access to the case files, we've been able to talk to Amanda and get more facts from her and the story from her um, and we wanted to make sure that we put everything and all the important details into this two-part series and that does mean splitting the video up into two parts, otherwise it would be two hours long, if not longer. So yeah, we have split this video, this case up into two parts. So after you finish watching this video, you can go over to Griffin's channel to watch part two over there. I'd just like to point out this video has not been made to cause disrespect or anything like that. It has just been made to spread awareness about this case by compiling information from various different public sources on the internet. Hi, it's Editing Josh. I forgot to mention that this video has been made by compiling information from also the official case files and from Amanda. Um, I think I just went into my default disclaimer there, um, but yeah. 
back back to the video. I've recently been getting a lot of hate comments uh, attacking me for my pronunciation of things, um, and I'd just like to say that I am working on that. I do have a speech impediment problem, um, but yeah, I'm trying my hardest to work on my pronunciations. Um, I know that it can upset a few people. As um, as per always, I really do not mean any disrespect or offence when I mispronounce things. Um, I'm just not very good at speaking. I usually do not notice these pronunciation mistakes until after the video has gone live or until somebody points it out. Um, I am only human and I'm just doing my best to give a voice to those who don't necessarily have their own. And with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. Donald Edward Ficky Jr or just DJ to his friends and family, was born on Monday the 14th of November 1988 in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, USA, to parents Donald Edward Ficky Sr. and Kathy Ficky. Now DJ was the third child to be born into the family with two older sisters. DJ was the first boy and his father Donald Sr. was absolutely over the moon when DJ was born. You see, Donald Sr. had always wanted to have a boy so that they could go and do hunting and fishing and all those regular father-son kind of activities and that father-son bonding, the kind of thing that you don't typically do uh, in a father-daughter relationship. And as you can imagine, DJ was absolutely spoiled from the onset by his father. He was his father's son. Now, when DJ was just seven years old, his parents brought a new baby into this world, and this little baby was a baby girl called Allison. And with Allison's birth, the family was complete. There was the two oldest daughters, Crystal and Amanda, Amanda being the person that we're working with on this case, and then there was DJ, and then finally uh, Allison. The family lived in a small town in Walker County, Georgia, called Chickamauga. Now, due to the age difference between DJ and his older sisters, DJ quickly became really close with his younger sibling, Allison, and they became thick as thieves. Now, don't get me wrong, the entire family was an extremely close and tight-knitted family, and DJ enjoyed having a very happy childhood, playing with all his sisters and his parents. No. Trout. Okay, now you need to get to clean them. Now, DJ was your typical boy. He loved video games, he loved riding his bike outdoors, and he absolutely loved football. And his favorite football team was the Tennessee Vols. According to their Wikipedia page, the Tennessee Vols are the 20 male and female varsity intercollegiate athletic programs that represent the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. As I said, DJ loved football and he always supported the Tennessee Vols football team. According to his sister Amanda, he was one of their number one fans. Now, the Tennessee Vols are known for wearing orange pants and the color orange quickly became the team's color. And due to this, DJ's absolute favorite color was always orange. Both DJ and his younger sister Allison got into the local church at a very young age and DJ was always trying to get his idol, his father, to come along with him. Now, according to Amanda, DJ's sister, Donald Sr. was the last person that anyone would expect to go to church, but DJ got to him and soon Donald Sr. was regularly attending church with DJ. DJ went to the Chattanooga Valley Elementary School and on all accounts he had a fairly regular elementary school experience, but when he went to Chattanooga Valley Middle School, 
tragedy struck. Sadly, when DJ was just 14 years old, his father, Donald Sr., passed away after a fight with cancer. The entire family was absolutely and understandingly devastated by the loss of Donald Sr., but especially DJ. DJ was the only boy in the family, and he was so close to his father. On all accounts, he took the loss the hardest. Keep in mind he was 14, which is already a difficult age to begin with, and then he had just lost his father on top of that. Thankfully, due to the entire family being extremely close, they all came together and supported each other through the grieving process. DJ's two older sisters, Crystal and Amanda, had already moved out, Amanda having gotten married. Amanda took DJ under her wing. She would invite him over to watch scary movies, hang out, take him out on weekend getaways or on vacations. And with that being said, Amanda and DJ, the two middle children, became very close very quick. DJ graduated from Ridgeland High School with the intentions of becoming a bull rider, which his family was very quick to talk him out of due to the danger of that career path. After graduation, he started training to become an MMA fighter, which was something he was actually really good at. He played in quite a few matches and it seemed as if DJ had found his passion. It wasn't long before Amanda and her husband had their first child in 2011, a little girl who DJ absolutely adored. DJ was constantly spending time with her and playing with her. He just loved her to bits and pieces. When the baby was two, however, DJ actually started dating a girl that he had met in high school and they started dating in 2013 when DJ was just 25 years old. And this girl was called Brandy, and the pair absolutely hit it off. A year after the two officially started dating, the couple actually brought a newborn baby into the world, and this baby was called Jack. And Jack was born in March of 2014. The pair quickly decided to move in together, and the young family uh, were very happy together. So in August of that same year, 2014, Brandy and DJ decided that they would get married. Then in November of that same year, Year, just a few months after the wedding, Brandy found out that she was pregnant again, and this time with twins. Everything was going really, really well for the young family. They were happy, and they didn't really have many relationship issues at this point. Everything seemed to be going really positively. DJ loved his life. He loved his family and he loved his children. He was described by his family as someone who was always really funny. There was never a dull moment when you were around him. He was always pulling pranks and making jokes, always in a really playful and funny way. Um, he was just a really funny person. He was the kind of person that could get you laughing in a good mood, regardless of whether you wanted to be in a good mood. He always enjoyed going on trips with his family, weekends away, that kind of thing, spending time with his family. He was a very family-orientated man. Yes, DJ had his demons, don't we all? But DJ was always, always able to overcome uh, any of his issues and work through them. Now, the young family actually lived together in a rented house nearby to DJ's mother. That was until Brandy gave birth to twins in 2015. Sadly, this event would be the beginning of a downwards spiral of relationship issues between DJ and Brandy. You see, DJ had regularly smoked marijuana since he was a teenager, but like a lot of other teenagers, he never touched any harder substances. It was always just a little bit of weed. 
that was until he met Brandy. Now, according to some sources, DJ and Brandy began to use harder substances right after Brandy gave birth to the twins. And it wasn't long before DJ's mum stepped into the picture to look after the three babies, while DJ and Brandy were off doing their thing. Now, I have to point out from this point that substance abuse and drug addiction is a disease and it is an illness that is so 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 difficult to overcome and on this downward spiral dj and brandy had begun to experiment with harder drugs almost weekly um and this led to them in november of 2015 signing over custody of their three children to dj's mum so that dj and brandy could go and get professional help um, so they could sort themselves out and become sober again so that they could restart their life as a young family dj desperately wanted to become clean for his children however brandy didn't and then when brandy wanted to get clean the addiction had overcome DJ and DJ suddenly didn't want to get clean. It was this constant cycle between one of them wanting to be clean and the other one overcome by the addiction and then the other one wanted to get clean and then vice versa. It was a constant vicious cycle. Now DJ and Brandy would frequent a friend of theirs they called Old Man and Old Man lived in Flintstone, Georgia. Old Man wasn't the only person that lived on his property. Old Man's property, I believe, consisted of his house where Old Man lived, a trailer where people came and went, and a camper. A man whose name we cannot reveal for legal purposes, but we're going to call John for the purpose of this video, lived in that camper. Old Man's place was a well-known drug den, and there was constantly people coming over to buy substances and use substances in the house or in the trailer. It has been believe that a large number of substances were sold at Old Man's Place to a large magnitude of people, and it is also believed that a large magnitude of people would always come to the trailer um, so that they could have substance binges. Now DJ and Brandy would go over to Old Man's Place and they would stay there for a few days um, doing drugs and abusing substances and then after a few days they would go back to DJ's mum's house or to DJ's sister Amanda's place where they would stay for a few weeks and get sober before they caved in to their addiction illnesses and went back to old man's place. This was a vicious cycle of substance abuse and it is a battle that so many people fight. Now let's talk about the man that lived in the camper, uh, John. I'm going to have Amanda come on now and discuss the relationship between Brandy and John. After the twins were born a few months later, Brandy starts seeing another man. Um, they would stay at a house that DJ was friends with, the man that owned the property in the home, and everyone called it Old Man's Place. Well, while D DJ and Brandy would stay there, this guy that we still call the person of interest or the suspect. Um, he had moved a camper onto the property and was living in this camper. Well, Brandy started having an affair with this guy and it made DJ and Brandy's marriage pretty rocky, pretty bad. Um, she would go be with this guy. DJ would be staying at the old man's house. You know, he would win her back over. 
They would come home. They would be together a few weeks, a month, give or take, whatever. And she would leave and go back to be with this other man. DJ would go back up there. He would win her over again, bring her back home. Needless to say, DJ and Brandy's marriage was rocky at the best of times. This routine of Brandy going back and forth between John and DJ lasted for over a year, from September of 2015 all the way to October of 2016. It had been going on for about two months before DJ's mom decided to step in and take custody of his children. DJ knew that substance abuse was taking over his life and ruining not only his relationship with his wife, Brandy, but also his family and his children. DJ tried everything he could to get over his addictions. He even went to rehab in attempt to get his life back in order and get his children back. But his efforts were fruitless. As many people with loved ones with substance abuse issues know, Addiction is an illness that is so very difficult to overcome. Addiction in itself is far more common than most people realize, with almost 21 million Americans having at least one addiction. Shockingly, only 10% of that 21 million is receiving treatment for their addiction. According to AddictionCenter.com, drug overdose deaths have more than tripled since 1990, with more than 700,000 Americans passing away due to drug overdoses from 1999 to 2017. There's a lot of stigma around drug use and drug addiction. It's a tab in today's society that is painted so heavily by so many different people from all walks of life. Drug addiction does not discriminate. It can affect any race, religion, gender, age, or social standing. You can find links in the description below to relevant charities and organizations if you or anyone you know is dealing with any of the issues we have discussed in this video. Just because someone is battling the illness of addiction does not make them any less of a human or a person. After all, they are still someone's son or daughter, brother or sister. DJ suffered from addiction issues, but the stigma around substance abuse, as you'll see in this case, is what led the authorities to complete incompetence and complete neglect when it came to this case. On the 5th of May in 2016, Brandy and DJ were arrested while in the car with old man's daughter and old man's son. They were caught with the possession of drugs and no one wanted to take the fall for it, so they all got charged. Brandy and DJ were still together at this point, but it's thought that after they went to jail for these drug charges, they split up like they had done countless times before, and like I said earlier, their marriage was extremely rocky. On the 2nd of July 2016, DJ was released from jail and he went to go live with his mom. However, Brandy was still in jail. This is when DJ decided that he would try to move on from Brandy and start talking to other girls because he realized just how toxic their relationship had gotten. And DJ did this for about a month until August of 2016 when Brandy was actually released from jail. In the time that DJ had been released to the time that Brandy was released, DJ had gotten clean, sober, and he was living a happy and healthy life with his friends and family. He had seemingly turned his life around. Now DJ had been going to outpatient rehab since his release from jail and he'd gone to live with his mum and that meant that he could look after his children and be with his children. On the 19th of August 2016, Brandy was released from jail. So Brandy went to DJ's mum house and stayed there so that she could also be with the kids and so that she could be with DJ again. After all, they were husband and wife. Once Brandy returned home, DJ and Brandy got right back together. A few days later, on the 21st of August 2016, it was actually DJ and Brandy's anniversary, so the couple decided that they would go out and celebrate and go watch a movie and get some dinner. And the couple were still living at DJ's mum's house when this anniversary came around. On all accounts, it was a very nice uh, evening out and they had a good time and you know it, they just celebrated it um, 
and it was as if nothing had ever happened. However, on the 29th of August 2016, somebody came to DJ's mum house uh, knocking on the door asking for brandy. And it's believed that this person was either a bondsman or somebody who had a warrant for brandy's arrest or a warrant for brandy. Due to this and scared, DJ and Brandy decided that they would move out of DJ's mum's house so that they could avoid Brandy going back to jail. Um, and it, I'm not quite sure why um, law enforcement were trying to get a hold of Brandy or who these people were that were trying to get a hold of Brandy and why, but I, it is not connected to this case. It is an unrelated um criminal offence. The couple were trying to get their marriage to work again and they were trying to fall back in love again and they were trying to re-establish themselves and they didn't want the kids to be surrounded by this negative drama such as a bondsman coming to the door um, and that kind of scary scenario. They didn't want the kids to see that so that that's another reason why they moved out. DJ's mum also agrees that they should move out for the kids sake so DJ's mum drove them to Brandy's aunt's house in Georgia and they actually only stayed in that house for a couple of days before they they decided to move on. Nobody actually had contact with the couple between the 30th of August and the 6th of September, so nobody besides Brandy actually knows what happened between those dates, um, but whatever did happen, it doesn't seem to be particularly relevant to this case. However, on the 6th of September 2016, it is known that DJ and Brandy were actually kicked out of their friend's house. They'd gone to stay the night with their friend, um, and apparently they were kicked out because there were too many people coming and going. I'm not quite sure what that means, whether that means that DJ and Brandy had people coming and going into the house that were, you know, their own friends or um, or what, whether these were suspicious characters or whether um, the friend just had too many people in the house. Um, but whatever the case, DJ and Brandy were kicked out. It is known that Brandy then went back to her aunt's house and stayed the night with her aunt. However, it's not known whether DJ joined her. As it turns out, Brandy didn't actually want to stay at her aunt's house and this was due to the fact that she was jealous of one of the girls there. Presumably this girl had been talking to DJ or was really pretty or attractive and she was jealous that DJ would, um, you know, would be turned by this. Um, so she moved back out again. And by the 8th of September 2016, DJ and Brandy had nowhere to stay. They were effectively homeless. They managed to persuade that same friend that had kicked them out previously uh, to let them stay at his house or her house for another night. The very next day, DJ and Brandy decided to go back to Brandy's aunt's house again, but this time it was not to stay the night or anything like that. It was just to figure out what they could do, um, how they could get some money so that they could get a hotel room. And they actually came up with quite a clever idea. The couple decided that they would donate their plasma in order to uh, get some money so that they could book a hotel room. And that is what they did. So on the 9th of September, the couple went to their friend's house. This was a different friend who was called Rachel before they then went on to the plasma bank or blood bank. I'm not sure whether it was the same 
building. Fortunately, Brandy was able to give enough plasma that they ha were rewarded in enough money so that they could afford a hotel room for the pair of them. Now, I'm not sure whether the couple stayed that night at a hotel room or whether they stayed the night at Rachel's house, um, but I do know that they had enough money to have booked a hotel room that night, and they also had enough money to book a second hotel room the following night on the 10th. However, the couple never booked a hotel room. It is thought that the couple actually had a big argument at Rachel's house, um, which meant that Brandy went back to her aunt's house and DJ was left stranded at Rachel's house. Brandy had gone back with the money. DJ tried really, really hard to get a ride from Rachel's house, but to no avail. Fortunately, Rachel let DJ stay the night at her house, and on the 11th, DJ went to Old Man's Place, which, like I discussed earlier, is essentially a drug den. DJ texted Brandy when they got to Old Man's Place. I believe they texted using somebody else's phone, because neither DJ or Brandy had their own phones, um, and DJ told Brandy that she should come to Old Man's Place, that they should be together again, um, and that they could try and figure out this argument and settle the differences and try and make things work. So DJ got Old Man to drive all the way to Brandy's aunt's house, pick up Brandy and bring her back to Old Man's place. So now DJ and Brandy were back at Old Man's place, which is where all the troubles um, begin and began. Three days later on the 14th, DJ left a voicemail on his sister's phone in which he spoke about the rocky situation that he had going on with his wife, Brandy. As it turns out, Brandy had actually gotten back in the three days that they were at Old Man's Place. And DJ was trying to find somewhere else to stay so that he could get out of that kind of environment. It's unknown whether or not DJ actually left on September 14th. Four days later on the 18th, DJ sent out a ton of Facebook messages to friends and family seeing if he could find somewhere to stay, but his attempts were to no avail. DJ ended up staying at Old Man's Place even longer because he couldn't find anywhere else to go. And this is when things got very, very interesting. On the 24th of September in 2016, DJ had his friend, who we'll call Amber and her daughter, who we'll call Stephanie, pick him up and take him out for a bite to eat. And it was while they were out for this meal that DJ confided in them that John, the man who was living in the camper and who Brandy was cheating on DJ with, had tried to kill him. DJ had told Amber and Stephanie how John jumped him when he got out of the shower and held a knife to his throat. He also said that John had attempted to jump him with a baseball bat, which resulted in DJ knocking out one of John's teeth with a golf club. Amber and Stephanie noted that DJ had marks and bruises all over his body that were consistent with being hit with either a golf club or a bat. DJ went on to explain how John had given them a shot of drugs. It's unknown what exactly was in this concoction of drugs, but what is known is that DJ was acting very erratically and fell very sick afterwards. And he was ill for a number of days after taking this shot. Whatever was in this shot could have killed him. Most interestingly in this case, and most notably, DJ told the girls that if anything were to ever happen to him, to look into John and Brandy because he would never hurt himself. After this meal was over, DJ asked the girls to drop him back off at Old Man's Place so that he could be with Brandy. Six days later on the 30th of September, DJ was dropped off at a family friend's house by Brandy and an unidentified person. However, that family friend wasn't home, so DJ decided to walk to his aunt's house. And while DJ was there, he actually opened up to his aunt and and told her about what was going on and what John was trying to do to him. DJ told his aunt about the shower incident where John put a knife to DJ's throat and said that the only reason this happened was because of Brandy. 
that John was going to try to kill him so that he could have Brandy all to himself. He told his aunt that he was worried that John was going to try to do something that would in turn get his kids taken away from DJ's mother, who had been looking after them this entire time. DJ went on to tell his aunt about another altercation where DJ and Brandy were standing outside the camper and talking about moving back in with DJ's mom and the kids. John must have overheard that conversation because he quickly came out of the camper and put a gun to Brandy's head. John told Brandy the only way that she would be leaving would be in a body bag before making her go back inside the camper with him. DJ told his aunt that he was scared to go to the police or say anything to anyone really because he was scared of what John would do and he was scared that John would actually shoot Brandy. DJ and his aunt grabbed some food to eat before dropping him off in the Dodds Ave area. Both DJ's aunt and a man who's presumed to be DJ's aunt's partner witnessed him talking about all of this information. Later that same night, DJ went back to Old Man's place so he could be with Brandy and the couple got back together. On the 2nd of October 2016, DJ phoned up his mum because he wanted to talk to the kids, catch up with the kids and just, you know, he missed them. He wanted to have a good talk with his children. DJ spoke to his son, his firstborn child, Jack, and he asked Jack what Jack wanted for Christmas. After all, it was October, Christmas was quickly approaching, and Jack responded saying that he wanted a choo-choo train. When the phone was handed back to DJ's mum, DJ told his mum not to buy Jack a train because he wanted to buy his son this train for Christmas. This would be the last time that DJ's mum would ever verbally speak to her son, DJ. The very next day, on the 3rd of October 2016, DJ Ficky, father of three, would be shot dead, and the events and circumstances surrounding his death would continue to baffle and frustrate the public to this very day. Let's talk about what happened on that day. Just a side note that the man we've been calling John in this video is referred to by a person of interest by Amanda for legal purposes. The day DJ was killed, he woke up, they, Brandy and DJ woke up that morning. Um, DJ started texting my mom, um, telling her, you gotta come get me now. I'm gonna end up dead here. My life depends on it you know, telling her, don't make me beg. My mom at the time was going through a lot of health issues. They were actually, she was actually scheduled to have a pacemaker put in. So the doctor had told, told her, stay away from stressful situations. Um, don't be, you know, around it. Just try to stay calm and everything until we can get this pacemaker put in. Well, being around DJ and Brandy at this time, being away from stress and out of stress was nearly impossible. They were always bickering back and forth and arguing. So my mom told DJ, no, you can't come back here. You know, you." she gave him alternate places to stay. She told him to go go to here, go there. Um, but DJ just insisted, kept insisting, I'm coming there, you know, I'm coming home. I'm trying to get a ride home. Um, he was messaging people on Facebook you know, my life depends on it. I got to get out of here to save both our lives. So that's ultimately what led up to DJ getting shot. That was the final moments of his life. Three minutes after the last text message DJ sent out, the person of interest calls 911 and says, we have a guy here that killed himself. And 
During the whole 911 call, he hangs up on 911 three different times, but throughout these 911 calls, every time Brandy is heard in the background, Brandy's hysterical at this point. Every time she's heard in the background getting closer to the person of interest, he would hang up on them. Um, he never made the 911 call really about DJ. It was all about him, what he tried to do, what he he was, you know, what he wanted to do. I mean, just, it was all about him. It was like he was playing out his his story, I guess I would, I, I, yeah, he was, he was playing out his story, getting his story together. We've been granted access to the 911 calls made on the 3rd of October 2016, and I'm going to be going through them with you now, and I just have to point out that these are real 911 calls. They are important, and they play a major part in the aftermath of this case. Just as a forewarning, like I said, these are real 911 calls made in the moments after DJ's death. They are highly emotional and they can be distressing to some viewers. Private information in these calls have been redacted for obvious legal reasons. The man who made these calls, the person of interest, is the man that we've been referring to as John in these videos. In the background, as Amanda described, you can hear Brandy. Now, I've done my best to transcribe these calls for you. Uh, the words um, and transcriptions will be on the screen, so if you don't actually want to listen to the 911 calls themselves, you can mute the audio um, and then you can still read along on screen. But like I said, these calls are vital to this case and they do play a major part in the aftermath. So I do advise that you either read along or you listen to these calls. Okay, what's the problem? Uh, we got a guy who shot himself. Okay, what did he shoot himself with? A shotgun. Okay, is he breathing? Uh, it looks like it. I don't know. I just think How old is he? I tried to get the gun. I tried to get the gun. And it went off. And he hurt his mouth. And I was like, man, you know. Is it a 12-gauge? Uh, yeah. Is he still able to talk? Uh, Is he still able to talk? No. I mean, he's stuck in his mouth. All right. Is he still breathing? Yeah, it looks like he's I'm gonna get, I'm getting everybody going. How old is he? How old is he? Oh, boy. 
Fox Central, Packet 803, Station 2, respond. John hung up the phone to 911 when Brandy, who at this point you can tell is highly emotional, gets too close to the phone. Um, and then he calls 911 again. This second call to the 911 dispatches show John, the person of interest, and Brandy having highly emotional conversations 
almost anger-fueled conversations, kind of like arguments. You can tell that Brandy is in an absolute state of hysteria, whereas John is in more of a calm and collected frame of mind. He's trying to take control of the situation. For whatever reason, John hung up the phone with 911 after he explained his story. And almost as soon as he explains the story, you can hear Brandy kind of protesting in the background and that's when he hangs up. The next call, the third call and the final 911 call is extremely interesting to me and this is because the 911 operator gives an instruction to the person of interest, John, which would hinder this case and have such a domino effect. Oh, you hear me? Yes, This this is Walker County 911, okay? 911. Listen to me, okay? I will, because I get off this. Smart. Okay. I need to talk to you. Can you give me your attention? Yes, sir. Okay. The gun, where is it located now? It's in the chair with him. Okay. I, I got the gun up and checked to see what it was. It was a 12 gauge. Okay. So you moved the gun, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Can you secure that gun? Can you get it unloaded safely and, and lay it to the side out of the way? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Can you do that while I'm talking to you? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I'll give you just a minute, okay? I think I told me to get the, the gun and secure it. No, don't don't shoot it. Secure it. Unload it. Listen. The, are you going to be the one doing it? Ain't got, it ain't got a single stuff. It looks like okay. it's off. Okay, so there's nothing in the gun at this point, correct? No. The gun is empty, correct? No. As you just heard, the 911 operator told John, the POI, to tamper with and move a vital piece of evidence, the firearm, which is effectively destroying evidence in an active crime scene. An instruction that would greatly affect this case and would set a precedent of police negligence from the offset. Further, John unloading this firearm would give strong reason for why his fingerprints can be found um, on the firearm. It provides him with a strong alibi and he was just doing, he could claim he was just doing as he was instructed by the police. It rules out any fingerprints that belong to John as evidence on the gun. Now, John seems to be more focused on his own story in these 911 calls or what is happening to him and how he's dealing with the situation rather than focusing on DJ, the victim who had just been shot. He doesn't answer many questions that the 911 dispatcher is asking, like, is he still breathing? What is the state of the victim? That kind of thing. He's just focused on his own story and what happened to him and him setting his story straight from the offset. You can occasionally hear Brandy in the background 
hysterical and who can blame her her husband had just been shot like we said earlier it seemed that every time brandy got too close to the phone too emotional or as if she's about to say something um impactful john just hangs up the phone to 911 and that's everything that we're going to be discussing with you in this video in part one you can find part two right now live over on griffin's channel where we discuss the aftermath of this case and what really happened to dj ficky was it really a suicide like john claims or was it cold-blooded murder? You can find a link to part two in the iCards or at the top of the description. Don't forget to like this video if you found it interesting. Leave a comment down below telling me what you think of this case so far. Don't forget to subscribe and turn that bell icon on so you can be notified every single time that I post a true crime video. A massive, massive thank you to Amanda for working with myself and Griffin on this case. I cannot express how honoured I feel to have been able to present um, DJ's story in, in these videos and how honored I feel to be able to use my platform to aid in finding justice for DJ. In the description below you can find links to donate to the Justice for DJ GoFundMe or if you don't want to use GoFundMe there is a PayPal link too to help support the Justice for DJ campaign. If you are unable to make any financial donations, there is also a link to a change.org petition that I strongly urge that you go sign. Um, and you'll see why that petition is so important at the end of part two. I do reiterate this as well at the end of that video. I urge you to take a minute out of your day to sign this petition and share it with your friends and family. Thank you guys so much for watching part one. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Part two will be on my channel, so definitely make sure to go check that out. And if you ended up over here from my channel, also make sure to subscribe and check out Josh's other videos. Bye guys. And with all that being said, I will see you in part two. being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details